Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, I want to encourage you to reach inside your program. Inside your program, you'll find uh, a set of Crosswalk notes with the title of today's message, The Waiting Reward. And if you brought a Bible, I hope you did, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, please open to 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've been going through some psalms and, and uh, just beautiful thoughts from those psalms. So we're changing gears a little bit. We're going back to the New Testament this morning. Uh, once again, 2 Peter chapter 3. It is also on your crosswalk notes, but you might want to follow along in your own Bible so you can make notes and such. Let's see if that's going to stay there. I want to begin today's message with a prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for this wonderful privilege, not only to read these words written to help us better understand what we're waiting for right now, your coming, but also we want to hear and learn from the Apostle Peter how to wait for your coming. Open our hearts to be excited and filled with hope and anticipation as we wait. This is the coming of our king we're talking about, the arrival of our God to judge all mankind. And Lord, we ask as we open the word that you'd guide our minds so that the words Peter wrote to prepare us for the events to come would also be applicable for us and our families and our churches. We pray for those of us who may be struggling as we wait for your coming. We pray for those who may not even know of these events. We pray for those whom we love and know, people who are struggling with life right now, that this message would move us to see and celebrate the reward of waiting. Our hope is that our souls and our spirits, our minds and our wills, would be moved to love you, to pursue you, to obey you, and to enjoy you. So we ask for the Holy Spirit to lead our time and to guide my words and to open our ears. In the name of our righteous and holy, loving and faithful Savior, Jesus, amen. You know, I was shocked yesterday to see on a news story that there are people already forming a line for the premiere of the new Star Wars movie. Did you see that? They're going to be waiting almost an entire week in the cold so that they can be among the first to get tickets and watch this movie. But it got me to thinking, what if the movie's a big flop? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever waited for something unsure whether or not what you're waiting for was, was going to come through? Maybe it was a, a Black Friday and you're there an hour early before the store opens at midnight and you're back a little bit in the line and you're wondering to yourself, am I going to get one of those big screen TVs? When Julie and I lived in Zambia, we would often have to stand in long lines because of shortages, shortages for basics like, like bread and milk. And we would wait sometimes for several hours, get to the front of the line within just a few people and the window would close and they would say, we're sorry, we're all out of milk for today. Can you imagine that? Sometimes we'd actually get the milk, take it home, open the first bottle and it was spoiled. Have you waited for something that you're not sure is really going to 
come through in the way that you hoped and expected it to? That's what today's message is really about. And Peter is, a, is addressing that, and he's talking to us about when we wait with great uncertainty for something that we're not very sure of. And specifically today, he's talking to us about the second coming of our Savior Jesus. We're, we're waiting, and our reward one day, that's the reason for the title, is that we will see Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, face to face, and he will, for those who believe in him as their Lord and Savior, usher them into eternal life. What a moment that's going to be. And yet we also hear from the Bible that for many, that will be a moment of great mourning, a moment of great grieving. How do we know whether this Jesus who has promised to come is truly the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, and that he really will be coming? In today's world, we we hear so much about other ideas about how the world is going to come to an end. We're going to talk about some of that this morning, but I want to dive in right now because Peter's dealing with this. Are we waiting for something And there will, at the end of all our waiting, be no reward. Let's take a look and see what Peter has to say. I put the whole thing together. We're going to come back and go through this a little by little. But above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the very first thing that the apostle Peter says is, please understand this. Above all, and he's talking to his members scattered in churches throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. Above all, you have to understand that in the last days before Christ's coming, there are going to be naysayers. There are going to be haters. There are going to be, as he says, scoffers. In fact, in the original language, it it repeats this word. There are going to be scoffing scoffers to, to, to really emphasize this point that these people are going to come out at you and try to make you doubt that what you're waiting for has any reward in the end, that if you're waiting for Jesus, you're just a fool. So he he talks to them and and he says, they're scoffers scoffing, and this is what they're saying. Where's this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on it as it has since the beginning of creation. You see, in, in the apostles' day, 
the, the thought within the Roman Empire was heavily influenced by, uh, by Greek thinking. We call this Hellenistic culture. And one of the, the all-stars of Hellenistic culture was a gentleman by the name of Plato. You may have heard of him. Plato taught a, a sort of dualism that there was light and dark forces in this world. He contrasted the one with the many. But part of the Platonic system was, was that the world was eternal and just kept cycling. You've, you've heard the, the saying, history always repeats itself. Those who believed in the Platonic beliefs, and, and that included most of the people in the Roman Empire at this time, those who, who believed in those beliefs had been taught from a child on, the world has no destination. There's, there's no end. It's just going to keep cycling and cycling and cycling, and history will continue to repeat itself again and again. So you can imagine that if you had been taught this since you were a small child, that this is the way the world was going to be, that now Christians come along, Peter comes along, Jesus comes along, and says, no, that's not how it's going to be. History is not cyclical, but linear, and that it is headed toward a destination and that there is an end point for our world. Well, you might say that's very interesting, Pastor Jeff, but, you know, Plato, really? Um, that's ancient history. But let me tell you that in our own world today, we, we have some similar teachings, maybe not exactly, but if you listen, for example, to Stephen Hawking, and his evolutionary view and the Big Bang theory. What, what Hawking believes is that when the Big Bang happened, it, the, the, the whole universe, all matter was contained in what, what, what's called a singularity and that there are, there's this dark energy, this dark force that, that came in there that created the initial Big Bang, the initial explosion and started our universe expanding over billions of years. Hawking believes that one day, 20 billion years from now, will come sort of a, a decision point. Either at that point, the forces of gravity will overcome dark energy and everything in our universe will begin to contract again. He says that's one possibility. He says that another one is that uh, the, the dark energy will continue and our universe will, will expand infinitesimally and those of us that are in the inner circle will eventually, all our planets and our stars will just grow dark and cold. But now I want to ask you a question about that 20 billion years. Do you care about 20 billion years from now? I'm guessing not. You see... His view may still be linear, not cyclical, but by putting a tag of 20 billion years on it, and, and by the way, he says if it does begin to contract again before it's all the way back to a singularity, it'll be 1,000 billion years. I'm even less worried about that. So for us, there's really no end point, no destination in sight if you buy what very respected people in today's culture are selling. Because 
our mindset then is just going to be, well, things are just going to continue evolving and growing and getting better, and I don't have to worry about an end point. That's why Jesus taught what he did. Can you take a look at Matthew chapter 24? As it was in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I put this in your, in your notes so you can read with me. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. He says, let's go back in history. I'm purposely not reading the last phrase yet. Let's go back in history. Remember what happened in the days of Noah? Those people, too, thought that things are just going to keep cycling, keep going. They're going to eat, drink, marry, give in marriage. Noah went into the ark. They had no clue, and then it hit them. First one drop of rain and then another until it became a flood and the fountains of the deep opened up and the, and the waters from the heavens crashed down. And everyone except for the family of Noah was destroyed. Remember that, Jesus says? Remember how the people were behaving up until that moment? And then, now let's read that last sentence. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus looks forward from 2,000 years ago and he looks into our day and maybe beyond our day. We don't know when he is returning. And he says, People will be doing the same thing. They, they will be thinking and believing there is no end coming. There is no destination. You see, Jesus teaches this, and I, I have to believe that Peter is harking back to this as he, as he sees these scoffers having an impact on the believers in his churches. So he teaches them this, and you can write this down. Our world is headed toward a destination, and that destination is the second coming of Jesus Christ in power and glory. My people, I love you so much. I have deep affection for you. I have loved teaching you God's word. That's what Peter is saying. Now, when these scoffers come in and, and they begin to, to pick off the sheep of Peter's flock, teaching them that there's no second coming. He, Peter can't stand for it. There is a destination. Take a look what he says about these scoffing scoffers, these naysayers, these, these haters. Verse five, go back up to the top. But they deliberately forget. Will you underline those two words? They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. There really are two ways to read this. But first, we have to understand those two words I had you underline. Deliberately forget. How do you deliberately forget something? Have you ever tried to deliberately forget something? What normally happens when you try hard to forget it? 
you can't get it off your mind, right? The more you say, stop thinking about that, the more you think about it. What's Peter mean when he says they deliberately forget? Well, I want you to draw an arrow up to a phrase that I passed over a moment ago in the first paragraph, and I want you to underline this phrase, following their own evil desires. Will you draw a line from deliberately forget to following their own evil desires? How can they deliberately forget? Well, there is one way that we know scientifically to deliberately forget something. And that is to put a distraction in front of yourself. And if that distraction is powerful enough and emotional enough and and requires enough brain energy that you are forced to focus on this. Guys, ever been going through some stuff in your life and you grab the paddle for the video game and all of a sudden you look up three hours later And not only have you not thought about that problem you were working on, you didn't even notice that time was passing, right? By distracting yourself with something that just draws you in in and requires most of your brain energy, everything else goes out the window. What was that for the people in Peter's congregations, for these scoffing scoffers? It was their own evil desires. They wanted what they wanted. And when anyone tried to teach them that, hey, Jesus is coming, their justification for not worrying about that was, come on, dude, the world has always been going on like it has today. History keeps repeating itself. Really? And, And today we say, hey, science teaches us we got billions of years left. And so we may as well eat and drink and be merry because personally, none of us has billions of years left. Personally, most of us know we only have decades or possibly even years left. So make the most of this life. That's why people sometimes, even today, deliberately forget that Jesus is coming because all of us would rather think about something else. Let's face it, if we're honest with ourselves, I said you could take that second paragraph in two ways a moment ago. What I meant by that is for most of us, if we really take this seriously, that Jesus is coming to judge all mankind, what emotion does that raise up? I don't know about for you, but for me, I get a little anxious about that. Because I know that Jesus is going to judge me on the basis of my heart, not even my actions. That that Jesus cares most about my heart. And that Jesus, when he taught, he taught things like, don't let anger reside in your heart. Don't let envy or greed reside in your heart. Keep all lust at arm's length. Don't, Don't even think about Crude jokes. Jesus constantly taught that what God really cares about is the heart. So when judgment day comes, I I get anxious about all the things that I know I've done that are sinful, not only in my actions and my words, but especially in my heart. 
And most of us, I think, deep down, we have that same kind of anxiety. We feel the way the author of the book of Hebrews says, for we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When you think about judgment day, do you occasionally feel that dread? I know I do. Because I know that I have not lived up to the bar that God has set for me and that he will on judgment day judge me. I want you to turn the page. Here's the thing. If there's a, if there's a judgment day, we can't bear it. There's no hope. But even though we sometimes feel that dread and that regret, there's another side to this. But first, let's, let's write down that first side. On the one hand, we're completely happy to wait for Judgment Day because Judgment Day is too dreadful to consider. But I want to tell you another side to that passage. As you, as you think about these words, the Lord will judge his people. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Or even going back up to the top, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for a day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. There's, there is another side besides the side of dread, and that is the side that is there for those of us who have ever been injured or hurt, and especially if we felt that we were unjustly injured or hurt. If you want to understand this side of it, all I have to do is challenge you to sit down on a Saturday night and watch one hour of 48 hours. Watch it. And you will see a person who has been deeply injured. Someone has, has um, committed a murder in their family. And there is nothing that person wants more than justice to be done. Than punishment to be meted out because they have been robbed of their loved one. If your village has ever been burned down, if you have ever watched relatives flow down a river killed by gunfire, if you have ever watched or experienced especially injustice of any kind being done, the only thing that stops you or me from becoming Clint Eastwood in that moment is the thought that God will take care of this, that God will see to it that justice will be done one day in his time because he is a just, fair, and loving God toward those of us who have been hurt. In a way, even though we dread Judgment Day, we welcome Judgment Day, because that is the moment when everything is going to be squared again. I want you to to write this down. On the other hand, we are waiting anxiously because judgment day is too necessary not to consider. Can you imagine a world where 
there, there was no justice and never any punishment. I know most of us, if, if you're not a Christian, if you're here today, you're not a Christian, one of the things that troubles people who don't believe in Jesus is the idea of this angry, smiting God. Really, Christians, have you ever read the Old Testament and, and you believe that there is an angry, smiting God? Most of the time when I talk with people like that, I, I simply just ask them the question, and I ask you to consider it today if this is you and you're here with us today. Have you ever been truly, deeply injured in a way that you were hurt unfairly? If you never have been, you may not understand the need to have judgment and justice done. But if you have been, you understand it deeply. And you understand how helpful it is. Take a look at even Jesus, Peter's description of Jesus. Uh, go back up one verse. And he's talking about Jesus here. When they hurled their insults at him, what did he not do? Tell me, what did he not do? Really? The almighty God of the universe did not retaliate? When he suffered, he made no, help me. What did he do instead? Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, on the one hand, when we face judgment day, we can't bear it. It's too much. We dread its coming because we know our own sinful hearts. And on the other hand, when we see the injustice in the world around us, when we experience our own unfairness and injury, when people have mistreated us, we can't wait to see justice done. Just like, again, anyone who has ever experienced the experience of a 48-hour story. So what's the answer? Let's uh, go back to the final paragraph. Flip your page back over to the first side. 2 Peter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I want you to underline these words. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And do you know this is not the only time in this very chapter that Peter shares that very thought, which, which answers this, this, this conundrum about we, we don't want judgment day, but we do want judgment day? and resolves the tension between those two points of view. 2 Peter 3.15, I'm back on the back side. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation for you. It doesn't say for you, but that's what it means. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Here's the answer. We live between two judgments. There's a judgment day that has already occurred. And please don't miss this judgment day. It's a critically essential judgment day. 
It occurred on the very first Good Friday where Jesus was nailed to a cross. A crown of thorns was mashed down on his head. He bled and he died saying, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. Is God an angry, smiting God, a holy God? Yes, yes, he is. But on the first judgment day, the day of Jesus' death on the cross, God took his anger and he struck Jesus with that anger. Jesus stood in your place and mine and and he took your judgment and mine. He bled and he died as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And when we dread judgment day, when we are afraid of what's coming because of the sin in our hearts, we have this beautiful gospel message, this beautiful privilege to look back to the first judgment day, the day of Jesus' death, and say, in Christ I've already been judged. And in Christ the verdict has already been issued. Not guilty, because Jesus took all my sins upon himself and he was stricken and smitten and afflicted for me. We wait for a second judgment day now, but we do so as forgiven children of God because of the first judgment day. And as we wait, motivated by this immense love that our Savior Jesus has shown for us, We wait with great hope. And we know that God is simply being patient as we grow closer to him and to our Savior Jesus. He's being patient because he doesn't want even one soul to die eternally. Take a look at 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 to 6. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Will you circle the words one and mediator? One mediator. Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. That means he gave himself as a ransom for you. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. One of the things that Jesus does when he talks about the coming judgment day, as we already read, he talks about, don't forget about the days of Noah. But there's another illustration that Jesus commonly used. He says, don't don't forget about Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't forget that they were just going about their life too, and one day... Fiery rain and sulfur came down on their heads. When I think about that story, I think about Abraham, so bold and filled with faith, talking to God and saying, God, what, God do you really want to pull the trigger on this and, and, and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What if, there are, what if there are 50 righteous people left in that huge city, just 50, Lord, and he negotiates again and again. He's, he's, he's so bold in this, almost impertinent. God, what if there are 40? He gets all the way down to 10. What if there are 10? And God says, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy the city. 
You know what God says to us today? For the sake of one, I will not destroy you. For the sake of my son, Jesus Christ, when judgment day comes, I long to welcome you, repentant sinner, into my arms, to be with me for eternity, to be, as Jonathan said, in heaven with me. That's what I yearn for, that moment. And if I wait, it's not because I've forgotten, it's, it, it's not because I've neglected, it's not because I'm somewhere up there busy with, with something else and distracted, it's because I'm patient And I want as many people as possible to be in heaven with me one day. Your final fill-in is good things come to those who wait. I experience the Lord's patience now and will enjoy his salvation later. Give you a couple of things for your meditation period. You know that God is good because of your Savior, Jesus. But if you want to know God's love even more so, and and remember we talked about the Thanksgiving challenge, I want to challenge you today to think back in your past of other evidences of just how much God loves you. And, And in that way, reassure yourself that you are a dearly loved child of God. You can do that during the meditation period. And then if, if you have a little extra time, you can do this extra credit question. Do I leave today's service more hopeful and energetic? Yes or no? And why? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love. And Lord, as we look forward to the day of judgment, yes, we admit it. We look forward to it with some foreboding. And yet, Lord... As your dearly loved children, when we remember that we stand between two judgments, that you have already been judged for us, and that we have been declared to be not guilty, that for the sake of only one person, your son Jesus, we have been set free from sin, death, and the devil. When we think about that, Lord, we begin to long for that day to come when we can be with you forever. Pray that every heart in this room will be touched by that thought today. And pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now... Some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Here's the bottom line on today's message as you go home today. Our world is not going to keep going forever. Please believe that. That's what Jesus teaches. It's what all the apostles teach. It's headed toward a destination. And on that destination day, Jesus is returning to judge all mankind. Today... We're privileged to enjoy God's patience as he waits for us to repent and come to believe in him as our Lord and Savior. And one day we get to experience his eternal salvation in heaven. That's the thought I want you to cling to. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.